Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another one. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we um, kind of, uh, today's the first day of the soft launch, as I'm calling it, of the Patreon that we uh, started up. Um, it, you know, like we said, it'll officially go live on, on Monday as far as like perks uh, going into effect, but uh, people. Yeah. Our, uh, when this oh, yeah, yeah, right. This will be released on Monday. My bad. Um, but uh, yes, um, uh, people have uh, signed up already um, as early as Wednesday evening, um, which is great. So thanks to everybody uh, who's signed up so far, and we hope uh, more of you uh, follow suit. But uh, yeah, we're we're excited, and uh, this I guess will be kind of the uh, transitionary episode of uh, in between our patreon and uh non-patreon eras yeah i think that's well said it's uh patreon.com slash the metal exchange podcast obviously the links are in uh you know the description below but uh we are very very excited for this um for this launch and and we thank everyone for their uh participation and for their uh support um but as always Lots of lots of new stuff that seems to be coming out at a clip faster than I can listen to it. But um, a couple of things I definitely wanted to mention. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the whole thing. I know that you put one of their songs on your new playlist, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, after what can only be described as a long hiatus, Nay Oblivascaris from Australia has released their new album. And I feel like this has been long overdue. And it's kind of one of those albums that people have been clamoring for for many years. The album is called Excel, E-X-U-L. There's six songs, but it comes in at about 53 minutes in typical, uh, typical fashion from these guys as they often write some long epics. I like the album quite a bit. I need a lot more time with it. I think I've only listened to it twice so far. But these guys are so, um, they're such good songwriters, but their stuff is all over the place. So it's not like something that's easily accessible. I'm curious to, to know if you had a chance to listen to it or or just, uh, you know, one or two songs from it. So far, I've only listened to Grawl, which I believe is the uh, first of a couple of singles that they released. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, it's going to be on... Um, the my volume seven playlist uh i just posted it today on our our spotify um it's uh i i think it's something that it it, well it's probably gonna take me a few listens but i do think it's something i'm gonna enjoy once i dig into the rest of the album it is is definitely on my list uh i just had some stuff going on with uh work this week so really the only thing i i really had a chance to listen to is this unchosen one album that we're going to talk to, but uh, talk about, but um, I did have a chance to also listen to the new Angus McSix single called sex <laughs> caliber. And man, as like I said about the first single, as much as I want to hate this because of how stupid the name is, this is another really good tune. And I think the fact that he's working with um, one of the guys from Orton Ogan um, is making for a good combo uh, because it's actually, so far, uh, I have to say, I, I've enjoyed um, I've enjoyed these two singles so far, and I really was kind of ready to write write it off because of how dumb the name was. Um, maybe it'll just reach a point where it's just it's been around for so long that we don't think twice about it anymore. Like like X Pac. Well, I remember the first <laughs> time I heard his name was going to be X Pac. I thought it was the stupidest thing ever, and now it's just you don't even think twice. Kind of rolls about off it. the um, tongue. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Other than that, though, um, I think anything else that I've uh, that uh, that's on this playlist, I probably mentioned um, last week or in previous weeks. But uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good, uh, a lot of meat on the bone, as we say. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to um, digging into some of the albums that came out uh, last week, and um, as well as the, uh, or, or I should say, I guess two weeks ago, and then last week, um, the Ad Infinitum, their third album, also uh, came out. So all things on my radar, just uh, I'm a little backlogged with uh, some work stuff going on, but I should be catching up soon. And then I will, uh, I will catch you up on how I, uh, my feelings on the, on said albums. Fair fair enough. I just have two other things that I I wanted to mention. Uh, The band False Memories out of Milan, Italy released a new single called Rising Tide. Uh, It's on Frontiers. So that should give you an idea as to at least, you know, what it might sound like pretty good stuff um, from this band. I, I think this it is might, a band it might be melodic. It, might, it very well, very well might be um, good stuff. I think that it's a, a single worth checking out. I'll probably post it this week. And uh, one other album, which is kind of a little off the beaten path in many ways. And that's the new floor Jansen album. It's her solo album called Paragon. Uh, it's about 10 tracks, not, not at all sounding like Nightwish. I think it's more along the lines of like a pop rock album or um very very interesting a very easy listen and and obviously her voice is great so she could sing a phone book and i i I probably enjoy it except for human but but that being said you know it's i i I, just a very easy listen something i think i will find myself going back to if for no other reason than it's just like perfect background music when you're working yeah, I, I this is also on my list of albums. I I have listened to uh, a handful of the singles, and it is uh it's enjoyable hearing her do something else that's not Nightwish because I you know I, I mentioned more than once and on this podcast that like I always wondered what Eric Adams would sound like if he did something other than Manowar, and I'm glad that with Floor we don't have to kind of wonder about like what would Floor be like and i you know um sharon denadel of within temptation did something not terribly uh dissimilar a couple of years ago with the uh my indigo project and it, it's that kind of stuff that i enjoy to see uh artists kind of branching out from just metal or what we're used to hearing from them and doing something maybe a little bit different um so yeah uh definitely looking forward to hearing that like you said like i would gladly listen to floor sing just about anything so nice i i completely agree and i i guess that kind of brings us full circle to where we are today after having requests for the first monday of just about every month since we've been doing the podcast we figured we would end the non-patreon uh era with something a little bit different this didn't come from a listener this came from the band themselves they had sent us a copy of their promo they asked us to um, you know, give it a listen and, and, and kind of share our thoughts. And I said, you know what? I, I listened to a song or two, and I'm like, you know what? This this is enough. This is good enough that I think it's worth a full episode on. And so we're going to talk about the Unchosen Ones uh, and and their brand new album, which, quite frankly, I don't think it comes out for another couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So we're a little, you know, we've done we've done contemporary albums, and and obviously we often focus on albums from the past. But this one, we're going to kind of do uh, a little bit ahead of the game, if you will, because Sorrow Turns to Dust doesn't come out for another couple of weeks. I think it comes out on the 21st of April, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes, uh, that is true. And uh, I, we thank them for reaching out to us. Um, I, I guess we kind of opened the Pandora's box here, uh, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess if we if we listen to something and, and one or two tracks stand out to us, I mean, I, the last thing I want to do is review, like, <laughs> have somebody request that we do their album and then we end up just completely panning it. I mean, if we kind of know from the get-go that maybe it's not something we're going to love, maybe we'll, you know, spare everyone's feelings and move on. But uh, I, in this case, I think we both thought that this was something that would be up both of our alleys. So it seemed like a fair, safe, safe bet. Yeah, I, I agree. And to be fair, we've gotten a lot of requests um, and we get a lot of stuff sent to us. So thank you um, for, for everyone that sends their stuff over. But to be honest, uh, I just had a feeling like this one was going to kind of hit the mark, especially for you. So I'm, I'm glad that we had a chance to cover it. And, um, you know, that's not to say that we won't do this again, but I, I don't think we're going to turn this into a uh, contemporary review show because there's a lot of podcasts out there that that kind of do that thing and that's not the format we want to go in, but it is nice to sprinkle in something new uh, every now and again. So that's, uh, you know, a thank you to these guys. And, and for those that don't know, this is their full, first full-length album. Uh, they classify themselves as a melodic heavy metal band, and they were formed in 2020, and they are out of Spain. So, um, you know, with, with that backdrop, this album has about 11 tracks, uh, clocks in at, oh, I don't know, just about 44 minutes. So it's a pretty short and easy listen in my opinion it, it the pacing on this is, is 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 pretty quick and and there's no you know 12 minute epic that kind of slogs the album down it's a, you know you're pretty much in you're out and, and you um you know and you're and you're on to something else i'm curious uh before we kind of break down the band and and give a little more details about these guys what were your initial impressions the first time that you played it just broadly speaking I just thought it was a really solid kind of, you know, melodic power metal kind of style album. I thought the the vocalist kind of gave me some uh, Georg Neuhauser vibes from Serenity. Could um, not agree more. I actually sent a, uh, I sent a track to, uh, to Mike Crea and uh, he said that it kind of made him think of Stradivarius, but with Pelike singing, which I thought was an interesting, interesting, uh, an interesting way of putting it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was solid. I, I knew it was something that, based on the um, the content and also the length, that it was going to be very easily digestible, and 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 it was. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. And so, for those that uh, don't know, they they came out with an EP in 2021 called "Kill the Night." This, obviously, like I said, is is their first uh, full length release. Uh, it's Christian Marco on keyboards, Francisco Romero on guitars. Jose Fernandez on drums, Javier Calderon on vocals, and Pablo Alvarez on bass. And it was uh, not only recorded by themselves, but I believe that they also mixed and mastered it themselves uh, too. So it should be uh, – it, it was an interesting listen because sometimes when you do things all in-house, I, I have reservations sometimes about what it's going to sound like. But I thought that sonically, I thought the album was actually pretty good for a debut, and I feel like it will only get better with subsequent releases. Yeah, I thought the production was very solid. Um, I, I didn't even realize that it was self-produced. Um, you know, kind of. It's funny because we we recently had a similar discussion with um, with our uh, our, our friend uh, Johannes from Skyblazer, uh, talking about how he pretty much self-produced his uh, his debut album. And I guess we're kind of living in that era where you know guys can be self you know self-taught and, and figure out how to 
how to do this thing on their own. And that's, it's cool. Like the, uh, much like I thought Johannes's album, I thought the production was quite good. I, I thought the production on this was really, really well done as well. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, I'm reading their, um, the, you know, they provided us uh, a little bit of a bio, um, you know, with the, uh, the whole, you know, package that they provided for us. And uh, it, it's interesting because they, they say that, um, it's a tribute and a little twist to the great heavy and power metal bands of the late nineties and adapted to the current times. And I think that's a really, uh, apt way of describing this because I, it really did kind of give me a vibe of like that late nineties, early two thousands kind of European style, you know, power metal. And, uh, you know, like it kind of gave me like a little bit of some secret sphere feels like that kind of, you know, that, that kind of like Mediterranean power metal, if that's a genre, I guess it is now. It is now. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I also was interested to find that they, their lyrics are inspired by video games such as uh, Elden Ring, which is, you know, only a year old. Um, so that it's showing how uh, modern the, the lyrical content is uh, the, the song infinite gear uh, was bait was inspired from Elden Ring. The song kill the night, from Castlevania and the song uh, Ashen Wasteland from the uh, the game Dark Souls. Um, but they also cover other themes like anxiety, sadness, or the search for inner strength to deal with it all. And uh, who can't uh, level with that? I mean, um, that you know, when it comes to my life, video games and anxiety take up a solid portion of it. So <laughs> this with with right this podcast taking the rest. Um, I, I've, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack the episode for a second. Have you ever played Elden Ring? You know, I, so funny story is that I, um, I bought it when it came out because it was all everybody was talking about. And I played it for like 10 minutes and I'm like, I should probably play Dark Souls first. Like I am not, this whole world is just not like something I'm used to this ultra difficult, like difficult combat, whatever. So I started playing Dark Souls because I had it for the Switch and, um, I got, fairly far into it but then just got super frustrated with the the difficulty level of it all and the whole and just like the the boss battles were just so harsh and the whole like the whole idea is that you're supposed to just keep doing it until you get really good and i'm like i don't i'm too old i don't have the time or patience for this um it's so i kind of lost interest and i never really went back to elden ring for that reason although i understand the difficulty level is not quite as harsh as dark souls is but it the um the gameplay is supposed to be very similar just set in a uh like a big open world and more of an rpg a traditional rpg open world kind of style uh but i think i'm probably going to stick to the new uh, legend of zelda game when it comes out in may so uh but i don't know i do own the game so maybe i'll pick it up and and give it a give it a go at some point but um currently i'm playing grand theft auto vice city so uh, modern games clearly aren't a big priority for me at this moment. <laughs> um, I'm playing Breath of Fire 3, so we can all go back in time. Um, <laughs> I think part of the reason that I'm playing Breath of Fire is because I tried playing Elden Ring. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, I, I think I played for about an hour. And like I was kind of doing okay. And then I took a wrong turn. And I got the shit kicked out of me. And I don't know what happened because it was like I just kind of went to the next room or the next natural extension of where I was going to go. And then I realized I'm not supposed to fight this beast at this point because the thing just absolutely destroyed me. 
So I started playing again. I didn't go that way. And I just had regular knights coming up and ganging up on me. I'm like, I'm not cut out for this because I clearly lack enough patience to play this game the right way where I'm trying to just hack and slash my way through. And they hacked and slashed their way through me. So I'm going to go back to it, but I, I have to be in the right headspace. And, and quite frankly, I, I wasn't then and I'm certainly not now. So I'll just play RPGs from 1998. I guess that's uh, where we're at at this point. There you go. I mean, oddly enough, another game that, I mentioned that, you know, they were inspired by was Castlevania. And I um, just started playing uh, this game called uh, Nine Nine Years of Shadows, which um, was a um, something that I did a Kickstarter for three years ago this wow. month. And I just forgot about it. And because it's, you know, I kind of I haven't done a ton of, of Kickstarters for video games as much as I have with with bands and music and with bands and music, you're usually getting a return on your investment within like a year, maybe a year and a half, but games take a long time to develop. This is a first time, I believe a first time uh, outing for this, this, um, this uh, company in Mexico. And um, it, this, this game is a love letter to symphony of the night or any of the, your great Metroidvanias. Um, and uh, it just out of nowhere, they were just like, it's out on steam. So I had, I switched my pledge from uh, Switch to Steam so I could play it on the Steam Deck, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, if you're into that kind of 2D like exploration Metroid slash Castlevania type game, um, it's really cool. So I guess I lied. I, I am playing at least one thing that's <laughs> so modern that it came out like less than a week ago. <laughs> less than a week ago, but inspired on something from 25 years ago. So there, exactly. there you go. And it's also uh, to tie it back into music. Um, it's the soundtrack was done by at least partially by um, uh, the um, composer for uh, Symphony of the Night, um, as well as another. There were three composers that worked together on it. Um, one of them was from uh, uh, who had um, experience with the Mega Man soundtrack and another one was um, Michiru, Michiru uh, Yamane uh, who she was the Symphony of the Night composer and also did several other Castlevania soundtracks so the music is um, is definitely a high point as well and I, one of the the perks of the the Kickstarter was that I would get a copy of the soundtrack uh, so I'm looking forward to digging into that as well so how about that for a sidebar? There you go. Join the Patreon. You can hear more of these discussions uh, at your leisure. But I, I, I digress. Um, I, as you listen to this album for the first time, um, I think that uh, you're kind of going back to what you said. The late 90s, you know, early 2000s power metal is on full display, but it's not a complete ripoff. I didn't feel like I was listening to Accent Star or anything like that. I felt like it was its own fresh um, take on those sounds. So I think as we go through the songs, I have a lot of influences um, that I'll mention throughout. But at the same time, um, I think that it's not a direct copy where in certain cases you can actually just hear a direct ripoff of certain bands. Here it's really more just a tribute to or or just in drawing inspiration from. Um, and maybe we'll just jump into it. The the album kicks off with with your typical... I guess, power metal standard for, for an opening track, and it's called Far Beyond the Thunderdome. Um, it starts off with this keyboard intro, which I thought was a nice way to start the album. If there was any doubt that keyboards were going to play a major role on this thing, that was removed within the first five seconds. And then it gives way to this like really chunky power metal riff. Um, but what, what jumped out to me more than anything is how melodic it was. Um, and, and I have to say the keyboards 
that are throughout this whole album really just add a very, very nice uh, element here. And I had a twilightning feel on this track. And as you know, from our, my review of delirium veil that we covered a couple of months ago or many months ago now, one of my favorite power metal albums of all time. So if you're drawing uh, a comparison to those guys, you're doing something right in my book. And I thought the singer's range was actually quite good on this. Um, I, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I'm not going to say that he's Michael Kisk, but um, Javier Calderon's vocals are very, very good. I think it's a solid opening track. Nothing that you haven't heard before, but it's just a well-done version of, of, of stuff you've heard before. Yeah, this is one of the um, one of my favorite songs that I heard on the album. It also happened to be the first one that I listened to uh, because um, I was like, all right, let me give one song a chance. Uh, and this was the one I think that they released as a single or a music video or a lyric video, something like that. Uh, and just so happened to be the first song, but I thought it was really good, a really solid way to just kick things off. Um, it, you could tell that the band was started by a keyboard player and a drummer because the drums and keyboards are right, right on display right from the, the get-go. But, um, you know, it sounds like right away you were dealing with people that are all very adept at their uh, individual music, you know, instrument slash voice. Um, but yeah, this was a really solid tune, and I definitely can pick up that that twilightning vibe as well uh, just um it's kind of a, a a mid to to fast paced uh power metal song with with the with the keyboards kind of um you know painting the picture along the way but um yeah solid stuff um i i knew once i heard that song i was like all right this definitely is not going to be a, a difficult uh, listen by any stretch of the imagination. No, and I think that's on full display in the second track, The World Is Ours To Take. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to guess this is your song of the week. And the reason I say that is it's a touch slower, obviously in a similar vein as compared to the first track. But number one, the dual guitars are on full display throughout the whole thing, including the instrumental section. The vocal lines are very melodic. And I just got a real sense of power quest on this song. So when I, when I heard that, I'm like, Chris is going to absolutely fall in love with this track. I think it's a bit straightforward, but I thought that the melodies and the construction of the song just screamed power quest. So I, I trust that you love this one. Yeah, that's a really interesting, uh, uh, really interesting take. I think you're right. There is definitely a power quest kind of a uh, vibe to it as far as like maybe one of their more mid tempo songs. It's actually not, my song of the week. Um, I kind of chose my song of the week based on the song that got stuck in my head the most. So okay. and I'll point it out when we get to it. Uh, but this was another really good song, and I think it. Um, I think it stood out from the first track. I thought it was important that the first two tracks weren't too similar because you don't want to like start becoming, uh, you know, redundant or, or repetitive right off the right off the bat. And I, I thought that this was a. Uh, another another solid tune uh, did, did did you find that that javier's vocals reminded you of anyone i i had mentioned earlier that i reminded me a bit of georg from uh, serenity um but i think in different depending on the the parts that you know it's not always that um i i definitely for whatever reason got a bit of a, a secret sphere vibe as well like i'd mentioned earlier on this particular track no but as we get into infinite gear 
I completely hear the Georg Neuhauser comparison. I actually have that in my notes. I, I completely, completely agree when it comes to Infinite Gear. I have some thoughts about this, but I want to hear your thoughts first. What did you think about this third track, Infinite Gear? Um, it's it kind of um, it rem- it it reminded me. Yeah, again, like I felt it had kind of this almost like crunchier version of Serenity kind of vibe to it. Couldn't agree more. I think you're spot on. Yeah, I mean the vocals, obviously, but uh, I think the, the rest, rest of the, song of the music too. too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, which is interesting because I'm pretty sure Serenity wasn't around in the late '90s. So, uh, but um, that being said, I mean this is another really good tune, another kind of um, mid-tempo, almost kind of marchy kind of tune. Um, but uh, yeah, the vocals are, are a real strong point, I think, uh, for this band. I think um, he, he just sounds really, uh, really clear. And um, I just think even though it's similar to, to Georg's vocals, um, I still, I think it's not like, you know, it's not like listening to, uh, uh, was it, Sa- Sa- Savage uh, Circus and thinking you're listening to Blind Guardian. It's not as much of a, a tribute, so to speak. It's... He has his own voice, and it's really good, uh, really solid. But yeah, this is another good tune. I have to say, I don't, I didn't dislike any songs on this album. I think of the first three, this is probably my favorite. It, it's slower, it's heavy, and it has almost like a tinge of an industrial sound in spots. I think it, the, the way it's, uh, you know, it, it, the way the guitars are tuned. Um, I, I definitely hear Serenity on this track as well, as, as I mentioned. I loved how the guitar and the keyboard play like the same solo at the same time. They almost mimic each other during the instrumental section. Uh, to be honest with you, that main riff really just drives the entire song. And I thought it was a really good riff. I, of the first three, it's my favorite. And um, I thought <laughs> it stands in stark contrast to the uh, Elden Ring theme because I can't stand the game. But I thought the song was really good. <laughs> and then we get to the title track, Sorrow Turns to Dust. Um when it first starts with the keyboards, I thought this was going to be a true ballad of which there really isn't one until the very end. And even that is a, is, is not a true, true ballad. It's more of a power ballad. Um, but this particular song is really just another mid paced hard rocker. And it has like a modern Sonata Artica vibe to it. It doesn't remind me of Ecliptica or any of their old stuff, ironically from the late nineties, but it reminds me of like the more modern sounding Sonata Artica stuff. Um, I wouldn't classify it, this power metal, I think it's more of just like melodic hard rock, but the keys had a Vision Divine feel to me, and I actually got a real sense of that early Vision Divine stuff. You know, we spoke with Olaf uh, Thorson not not so long ago. Um, this brought me right back to the first time I heard that Vision Divine album, uh, the self titled debut. It, it's not my favorite track. I think it's a little too vanilla for me but the keyboard solo was awesome and and i do think that there are certain elements of this that stood out uh if they need a label they might want to send this song over to frontiers uh yeah 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 um the that's the tone of the the piano or i'm sure it's keyboards meant to sound like piano at the beginning made me think of uh glory to the brave by hammerfall that kind of sound um but then it the song goes into something that would be nothing like glory to the brave as this is kind of a more upbeat and not as, as much of a ballad. Um, but yeah, another really um, solid tune. One of the things I, I like about this, this album on a whole is that, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, 
you know, keyboard based power metal bands that kind of have a, a, a upbeat vibe. And we've talked about power quest and freedom call and even things as recently as sky blazer. This, while it is very keyboard driven, it's, it has more of a darker kind of sense to it. It's not as happy. Um, and I guess when you're dealing with, you know, things like the nature of anxiety and sadness and, and just naming these games that are just, um, kind of dark in nature castlevania and dark souls and elden ring these are not like real uh thematically upbeat games so it kind of makes sense it kind of matches the the vibe of the the um inspiration so uh did you find that difficult because i know you often gravitate towards that happier sound no i liked it i think it's um it's nice to not always listen to the same thing and i think that it works um i I feel like i would get bored if everybody made a majestica like album you know it's 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 cool to to have something with a little bit more um uh what's the word i'm i'm looking for uh i don't know um a little more darkness i guess would be the easiest way to put it interesting um the fifth track is called the accursed moon and it's it's kind of I call it like a transitional track. It starts off almost like a battle scene in a movie, and it's very heavy on the orchestration, I think more so than any other track on the album by by quite a large margin. But it really winds up being just a short instrumental track leading into a song called Kill the Night. Um, do you have any thoughts on The Accursed Moon or anything uh, stand out to you? I, I mean, I got kind of a, a, another Castlevania uh, vibe from... Um... That and I guess that makes sense because the the following song is in fact the song that was inspired by Castlevania. So this kind of feels like it is a bit of an intro to that, but I could definitely see this fitting right in on a Castlevania game or a game like Castlevania, uh, like a Bloodstained or, or what have you. Um, and then uh, it, it goes into uh, Kill the Night, which um, right off the bat we got that. Um, really dark bass sound um that almost, almost ominous of, sounding right yeah, like reminded haunting. Me a bit of, reminded me a bit of like older metallica bass um what else does it the, um I'm trying to remember what um reminds me a little bit of the bass at the beginning of um uh glass prison by dream theater kind of that uh, slow and and foreboding um Good work. And then uh, it kind of like kicks in, like the guitars jump in, the keys jump in. It's kind of like that slow, that slow build. Um, this kind of gave me a bit of a, a Power Quest vibe as well. Once it got going, like one of their more um, mid, like mid tempo songs. Um, I think of like Edge of Time. It had that kind of pace. Um, but uh, yeah, another. Uh, Another cool song. I I think now that I know that it was inspired by Castlevania, I have, it gives a, a whole other um, element to it. Yeah, it's it's funny because before I had read the inspiration, I got the I got horror movie vibes out of this track, just of how kind of dark and foreboding, as you said, it's it, how it starts. But it really transitions into a, a straight up power metal tune, but a dark power metal tune. Awesome drum fills. Really nice keyboards and, and what I thought to be kind of an emotional vocal performance on this track. Um, what immediately jumped out to me was that if I was going to see the band live, 
I think this would be one of the top two or three tracks that I would want to see them play. Really, really enjoyable. And by the end, I kind of found myself moving my head to the beat. Like I was kind of getting into it. I thought it ended really strong. Yeah, I agree 100% on uh, all of those points. Very, uh, very good, very good tune. Um, I, I feel like really, I think all the songs so far have been very good. Um, it's uh, really just really solid so far. Um, tell me your uh, thoughts on Too Late. This song is maybe the heaviest one so far. It almost has like a thrashy sound to it. Like um, not quite as heavy as like a creator or a Sodom or something like that, but it just has a thrashy vibe to it. Um, I I don't think the verses are anything special. They're, they're kind of mundane for me, but the chorus is quite catchy and the vocal lines mirror the guitar riff, which I thought was a really nice touch uh, in in spots. It's well-placed. It's a nondescript, but it's a good song. And again, I get a strong Georg Neuhauser vibe from the vocals on this particular track. All in all, a good tune, but well-placed in the middle of the album. We were towards yeah, the end. Um, I noticed very uh, fearsome double bass drums on this one. Jose Fernandez not holding back here. Um, but again, another like uh, really uh, heavily keyboard-driven song. Um probably towards the back end of my songs that I enjoyed on this album. Um, and, and like I said before, I didn't think there were any bad songs. Um, I just think this one was not, not my favorite compared to some of the other ones, but still pretty solid. Um, but uh, yeah, not, I don't have much else to add that um, you hadn't already mentioned. Well, now we get to a really interesting track, which is called Shadow Dancer. This one stood out to me for a lot of different reasons. Um, it, it starts off with this nice crunchy riff, but it gave me a late 80s radio vibe, like one of those metal songs that you would have heard on the radio in 1989 or something like that. And the keyboards just screamed Ozzy to me, like that... Um, Mr. Crowley type of vibe or something like that. And to be honest with you, in my opinion, this, if it isn't, it could have or should have been the single. It's very melodic, the verses, and the chorus just as solid. I I love the way this is constructed, and it kind of gave me like an 80s movie vibe to it. And then like the last 30 seconds, the guitar solo is my favorite guitar solo on the entire album. I thought the way this ended was fantastic. And this was by far the most memorable of the tracks. I loved it, and I'll make it my song of the week. So let's give it a listen, and then I'll, uh, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Uh, this, again, for, for those that don't know, this is Shadow Dancer.
you know, it's funny. We, we post our songs of the week on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I don't even know if the song has been released. We may have problems posting our songs of the week for an album that hasn't come out yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But talk to me about Shadow Dancer. What are your thoughts I, on this one? I hadn't even considered that. That's that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, this is a, a so, another solid tune. The, the For whatever reason, the what, that whole keyboard like driving sound that that kind of guides the music along really reminds me a lot of power quest um who i just think was just one of the best bands when it came to that sound but just like we mentioned before in a more like darker kind of way um it's a really interesting take on on that kind of style just done darker and i love that because i love the sound of a keyboard um it's not a perfect analogy, but the 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 I get a, a little bit of a beast in black kind of flavor too, especially that beginning part, like you said, that, that kind of has a an eighties hard rock kind of vibe, and I mean, that's which a lot of their it. songs have that. Yeah, and Beast in Black, pretty much that's that's their bread Come and butter. Part. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think uh, while not like hitting you over the head with it like it, it, i feel like it's very subtle but it, it does make me think of uh of, of beast in black who is one of my favorite uh you know newer metal bands and a band that i'm sure we'll be covering as we get closer to prog power because i've yet to see them live and we've yet to talk about them in, in detail so i look forward to that um, yes. little sneak preview there but uh talk to me about ashen wasteland which is the ninth track um this has certain elements that we've talked about with many songs in the past, and I'm curious to see if you heard the same thing. Well, uh, this is my song of the week, and reason being is that um, I found the chorus to be just constantly stuck in my head. I've been um, listening to this album on uh, on headphones at night, laying in bed while playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City, uh, and watching hockey and or wrestling in the background, just trying to, you know, get as much done at one time as humanly possible. And um, this was the one that just like, I, I would hear that. Uh, I just hear that chorus again and again in, in my head. Um, it's uh, I think that it has, um, it's probably one of the faster tunes on the album, which probably was one of the reasons that it, uh, that I was drawn to it. But um, yeah, I'm curious um, what it made you think of. But uh, I, all I can say is that um, it just—I uh, I, I guess maybe Twilightning again. But um, I, I just—I found it to be the song that just kept uh, this and, and the the uh, opening track. Those two songs just kept um, popping back into my head. Well, let's give it a listen, and then I'll kind of come back with some of my thoughts. Here's Ashen Wasteland.
I think of all the tracks on the album, this one more than any had that metal exchange gallop that we talk about. It had this galloping feel to it. But in terms of a comp, like a, a comparison, to me, it reminded me of turn of the century Jag Panzer, which is pretty funny, but like I got a real Jag Panzer vibe from this. I thought that the guitar, especially like in the guitar riffs and the solos, it just screamed Jag Panzer, who's, you know, in, in many ways, I guess, an American power metal band. But um, I can see why you liked it. It's short. It's just a short, enjoyable banger. And the drums were really, really tight. Um, a good song. I, I, I certainly appreciate why you liked it. Um, and, and as we kind of get towards the end of this album, two kind of interesting tracks to end it, in my opinion. Uh, the Call of the Rain. Just based on the title, I thought this was going to be a ballad because we hadn't heard one yet, but it's it's not. It's, it's a more of a mid-paced tune with this like groovy, melodic guitar riff. Um, I, I, I didn't love this song on the album. I thought the chorus was catchy and it was melodic. Definitely the highlight of the song. Um, and although it grew on me, I thought it would be better served live. For some reason, it just didn't care for it so much the first listen or the second listen. I think by the end, I warmed up to it a bit. Um, there's just enough to keep the listener engaged, but I, it's something I'd also rather see live. What about you? Uh, all fair uh, critiques. Um, I, I, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, another kind of just, I don't know why, but just reminded me of secret sphere. Like just that kind of like late nineties, early two thousands, like Italian, you know, Mediterranean power metal uh, uh, trademark, um, uh, that we're going to put that on a shirt with the, uh, <laughs> the metal exchange gallop. Um, <laughs> Like a, it'll be like a four horseman shirt. I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. It wasn't. Uh, it was kind of also on the back end of my favorite songs on the album. Solid, but uh, if not, um, you know, uh, unremarkable. I guess would be the word I'm looking for. And we wrap up with a song called "True Warrior." So you kind of know this is going to go in one or two different directions. Talk to me about this track and, and, and your thoughts on how the album ends. Yeah, this song actually, whereas the one before didn't quite sound like a uh, Hammerfall ballad, this one kind of did. Um, yes, <laughs> if, if, but, I couldn't uh, agree more. But I thought it was solid. And I, I think it was also good that there was one song like this on the album because it kind of felt like the one thing that was kind of missing. Um so now you have this this power ballad that's again very keyboard uh driven and very um very emotional and heartfelt and uh I thought it was a really solid way to uh finish a really solid debut album by a band that I think that we're both going to be keeping an eye on uh going forward. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's funny because it starts off with like a guitar solo, but in many ways, it's really just an extended vocal solo for the first half of the song. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, when is the payoff? I, I was waiting for the payoff on this track and it came about midway through and it's very melodic, um, but just a little repetitive for my taste. I, I didn't know that anything except for like the last guitar solo um, stood out to me, although I, it was probably my second favorite guitar solo on the album. So it, it does end well. The album definitely needed a track like this, and I thought it was good. I don't know that I would call it great. Um, but what I can say is the album needed it. It was a good way to end it. And I think more than anything, I think that like you can see 
a ton of potential here. This is a band that you have to keep an eye on because as the songwriting matures, they have the chops to pull it off. So I think that it really all depends on how the songwriting continues to you know grow and mature over time. Because they, for the for a debut, it was very well done. I just don't want to hear the same exact thing with their next album. No pressure. Sure. Um, the the keys towards the end of the song kind of um, reminded me a little bit of that kind of Lost Horizon trademark. Uh, nice. Almost like a like that bell sounding kind of keyboard that not a lot of bands tend to use. So like I think in retrospect it kind of became like a lost horizon kind of thing and it, it i've got i kind of caught that really in like just that last minute or, or so of, of that song but um yeah i think your overall uh thoughts on this are, are pretty much on par with mine I, i'd be willing to bet that we gave this a very similar uh ranking and to that end scale of one to ten what are you what are you giving this debut album uh, I am going to give it a 7.0. I thought it was very solid um, with, uh, I think, a lot of room to grow uh, this band will have. Um, but, I mean, really solid, uh, solid uh, debut album. And uh, I'm glad that they reached out and had us listen to it because I'm really not sure. I don't know if this would have uh, at least passed uh, passed by to me uh otherwise so with with so many albums coming out and you know kind of a limited time to check things out um you know obviously I, I try to check out as much as i can but to your point i don't know that this would have ever gotten on my radar so we appreciate you guys sending it over to us i'm with you with the score it is a 7.0 but it's you know a better than average album that i really enjoyed and i look forward to hearing more from these guys i think that the the potential is um very high and, uh, you know, you don't want to start talking about next albums when this album hasn't even come out yet. But obviously, you have to look ahead. And, and for a debut, I've heard a lot of albums that, that don't, you know, that couldn't cut the mustard when you compare it to this. So very good stuff. Thanks to uh, thanks to the guys from the Unchosen Ones. We, we appreciate it. Um, I, yeah, I want to I got yeah. to give credit where credit is due. Like, you know, to reach out and to reach out to like podcasts and and really kind of promote yourself in that sort of way. I think that that's, uh, that shows a lot of, um, you know, a lot of gumption uh, to use an old I was going to say moxie, but okay. Well, yeah, a, little, a lot of moxie. Uh, it just, you know, cheers to them for, for just, uh, you know, going out, going out and, and, and just, you know, pushing their material and, and being confident in it and not being, you know, uh, I don't think that they were worried that we were going to rip it apart. Perhaps they heard the podcast and knew this was something that would probably be up, uh, up our alley. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's, that was a ballsy thing to do. And I think it's, it's going to pay off for them if, if they've uh, reached out to others um, to cover this album. So uh, I, I wish them the, all the best. Uh, this was um, really just an enjoyable, not nice, uh, something different to do and uh you know i i have a feeling we might uh do it again in the future perhaps because uh this was a cool kind of a cool experience especially after we've really been lately sticking to like albums from the uh early 90s into like i, I mean terrio was one of the more recent albums we've done <laughs> in the last few weeks and that album came out over 20 years ago so it's uh Sometimes it's nice to get back into uh, the modern, the modern day swing of things. Hundred um, percent agree. Um, which which we were not going to be doing next week, by the way. 
Oh, we going back to Beethoven before before we before we get there. Um, just a couple of quick news items on what was otherwise kind of a slow news week. Um, Jason Beeler and Jeff Scott Soto are going out on tour. They have a handful of dates uh, throughout the month of May, and I, I was excited to see that they're playing New York City on a Friday night, May twenty sixth. I'm going to go out of my way to go see this show. I thoroughly enjoyed their performance um, on the Saturday morning of Prague Power last year. I thought that they were just, it was the perfect uh, complement of entertainment, music, and, 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 and comedy, really, in, in all in the same show. So um, kudos to those guys. I would love to have either one of them on the show. We'll make uh, every effort to have that happen during the course of 2022. But this, uh, this is a cool tour. I know that uh, go, read the, be... go read the press release if you haven't, because the uh, the 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 self the self pity and the self uh, whatever you want to call it the the non self adulation um, is hilarious. Uh, it and really I can relate like, because I have the yeah. same humor, so I I, it, it I sounded like that. something we would write about ourselves, quite frankly. One hundred percent. And something that you brought to my attention earlier today. Uh, the Power Trip Festival, which is taking place in Indigo, California, uh, Indio, California, uh, the first weekend in October. I'm just going to mention the headliners for this, and then I have a question for you. Uh, Friday night, uh, headliners, Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden. The, the second night, ACDC and uh, coming out of retirement, Ozzy Osbourne. And on Sunday night, Metallica and tool i am at a loss for words as to what is going on at the top of this festival and also how much this festival is going to cost to put on with those six acts headlining my question for you is if you had to pick a night to go based on those six bands which night would you go see and why um, I just have to say, Ozzy Osbourne is making Terry Funk blush on the, on the <laughs> amount of time it took him to come out of retirement. Um, I, I when I saw the lineup, I thought it was like a I thought it was like a typo or somebody made or it a like, festival from forty years ago. Like yeah, like I thought it was like a, or just a joke. Yeah, like yeah, or yeah. somebody was just trying to trick people, and it was just like a fake a fake lineup or whatever. I'm like, didn't this? Didn't we talk on this podcast about Ozzy retiring? Yes. Um, like not that long ago, but uh, for the fifth time since we started the podcast, like it just, it, I feel like this is a recurring joke now. Um, I, I, for me, I would, um, it, it's, it, it would probably be Friday night. I've never seen Guns N' Roses live, and um, I hear they're phenomenal. And I, there's never a bad time to see Iron Maiden, as as we've spoken about in the past. I will say though, um. If it were like 25 years ago, I might have gone with Saturday night with, you know, ACDC and, and Ozzy uh, with, you know, both of the, the vocalists of those bands being a little bit more in their, their prime or, or even still in the band in ACDC's case. Um, do we know, is Axl Rose still doing the vocals for ACDC at this point? Or I don't know. Um, and, and that obviously kind of weighs into the my decision for the, the the same question. I have seen every band on this list 
but I've never seen, well, I never saw Ozzy solo. I did see him with Black Sabbath, but I, I, I've never seen ACDC. And I got to be honest with you, I feel like I missed the boat on that one, but I would love to see ACDC. And so just being spoiled, having seen the other bands, I think I would probably go with Saturday. I've never seen Ozzy solo. I've never seen ACDC. Um, and although I have either varying degrees of love or complete and total fanboy for the other four bands, um, I, I probably go Saturday just just for something different and and to check ACDC off the bucket list. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, if it was twenty five years earlier, I think it'd be a much tougher choice to make. Um, do we know if this is the lineup, or will there be other bands playing, or is this it? Is it just these six bands? I, I can't imagine. Well, you know what? I, I shouldn't say that. I have no idea. Um, I just feel bad for whoever is playing, uh, you know, you know, playing this festival and deciding, you know, that they have to go on before Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden. I mean, like, good luck. That's that's all I can say. You know who? You know who would be up for it? Sabaton. They, listen, they would go in there guns blazing, no no pun intended, and they would give it their best. Um, but you you, you got to bring your A game if you're going to go on before these guys. Part of me thinks that they will do co headlining sets, and there's just no opener because. You know, if each between the the layover and everything else, you're talking about, you know, four or five hours just with those two bands each night, right? If each band plays for an hour and a half or two hours, a half an hour or forty five minute layover, and then the next band, I mean, you, you you that's that's you're getting your money's worth. Although tickets are prohibitively expensive to this thing. Yeah, I, I feel like um, for the same amount of money, you could probably go see 60 bands on 70,000 tons of metal instead of these. Oh yeah. So. And I will be doing that. So I, I could, I could totally, uh, totally relate. Yeah. If this was an East coast thing, I maybe would consider it, but the fact that it would also mean taking a trip to California, I just, I think that that totally puts it out of reach, at least for me personally. But uh, it's very interesting because you don't really see anything like this in the U S that I could think of in recent times with this kind of heavy hitters as far as like hard rock goes. No, you kind of see it with like a rock in Rio or something like that, but you don't really get this uh, so much here. And even the big festivals like a Bonnaroo or something like that, you know, ACDC is not headlining that kind of festival. So in many ways it is one of a kind, but they are swinging for the fences. But if you look at some of the bands that played the last time, um, I think that there was a similar festival in 2016 and check this out. The Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Roger Waters, and The Who. It was basically like the rockers of the generation before this, all on the same bill, but all the guys from the 60s and 70s. So, like, really cool concept. Uh, I had a friend of mine that went to that Desert Trip Festival, and she said it was phenomenal. And then this is obviously, I guess, the next wave. I'm, I'm assuming the 90s version will be like... Uh, Pearl Jam, Green Day, uh, the second coming of Nirvana with Kurt Cobain. I mean, who the hell knows? But that's what you're kind of looking at. Yeah, that one I might go to. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, but with, with, as, with, as long as Cracker's on the lineup, you can count me in. I'm sure there'll be Cracker, headlining. Cracker and Toad the Wet Sprocket. I, I, they, they're, they're playing the pre-show on Thursday. But I, I, I digress. Um, I feel like you haven't picked an album in a while. I picked Terrier last week. Obviously, we this was a request. What are we listening to next week? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I wanted to go with something that was a little bit easier because um, I, I, it seems like I am going on 
a trip every, all the time nowadays, but yet, yet again, I'm going on another trip. So uh, I kind of wanted to make it easy. Um, and so I decided to look through our uh, past episodes, look at bands that we've uh, done before, but I've only done once. Um, and uh, that's kind of similar to how I came up with um, Manowar's uh, Triumph of Steel a few weeks back. Uh, this time, uh, we're going to go back to Ed Guy and talk about Vainglory Opera, which came out uh, 1998, the year before Theater of Salvation, which was the first Ed Guy album that we discussed all the way back on uh, May 24th, 2021, so almost two years ago, uh, was the last time we spoke about Ed Guy in long form, but um, uh, this album has always been in the back of my head, and what kind of, uh, of all the things, what kind of brought it back to my the front of my brain was when I was uh, putting the editing the Patreon uh, episode of the podcast, I had used uh, I Can by Halloween as the intro, and it just made me think of uh, MVP making his uh, entrance in, in Ralph's basement, <laughs> yeah. and uh, his opponent would, would come out to uh, the opening track for Vainglory Opera, and for whatever reason, that whole scene, uh, maybe we'll post it <laughs> <laughs> to see what the hell it is we're talking about. better raise about. the tears if you're going to put that out in public domain, yeah, but I digress. Um, I know. I, I Do I want to embarrass myself to a level of that degree? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, I just, all, I just all I can picture is that song playing and Mike coming out in his silver cape. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. Um, if you don't know, and you probably don't know, yeah, you're, you're maybe better, you're better, better off, probably. Yeah, but... <laughs> Great choice. Um, I look forward to uh, I look forward to being Glory Opera. I haven't listened to this album in a long time. I know it well. I know it well, but it's been a long time since I listened to it. I'm curious to see if it holds up. So, excellent choice. I like it. Yeah, I, there was a couple other bands that um, definitely stood out to me that we've only talked about uh, once. Um, so it, it's it's kind of uh, refilling the coffers in my mind of. Um, stuff we could talk about there's just and like plenty we, always, we haven't talked no, about what's i'm sorry and plenty we haven't talked about yeah yeah just uh th- there's just this never-ending plethora of things to talk about which which is why which is why the the um the the entire uh, theme of this podcast is is so great because there's just we could do thousands of episodes and and uh there's just always something to talk about including that um that hip hop album that's yet to be named that we're going to discuss at some point. Oh, I can't wait. Um, the chronic calls, but I digress. I digress. Um, great choice. Look forward to talking about it next week. Enjoy your trip. Uh, we will probably post that episode, uh, Sunday night for our Patreon fans. Otherwise it'll come out probably Monday morning, barring any uh, issues with the trip. Uh, but we thank you, uh, for listening. We invite you to join the Patreon and, uh, you know, appreciate the support. If nothing else, please leave us a, uh, positive review. If you think we deserve it, it certainly helps other people find the show. So, uh, help, you know, screw up that algorithm so that other people can see it. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Yep, and thanks again to everybody that uh, checked out the Patreon a little bit early, and uh, we hope you continue to consider uh, subscribing. Uh, We're really excited about it, and definitely have some cool stuff in the works. So, uh, 
Thanks again, and uh, take care. Did I steal your thunder? No, actually, no. I was. I was. I thought you were going to pick this. One. I thought it was either going to be this or the uh, the second track. I guess I got it wrong. I, I'm changing. I'm just turning into a different person. I don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah. Next week we're doing a black metal album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't worry. I've, there's there's plenty where, where where that came from. I didn't know that you had played Elden Ring. That's pretty funny. I well, I played it for an hour. I want I want to be clear about that. The, the, the play yeah, is a very liberal still term. Playing it. <laughs> It was the most frustrating hour of my life. I'll bet. Based on a game that made me physically angry. I was like... Which was that? Dark Souls. Like I was like, oh, video same. games shouldn't make you angry. <laughs> was it the plot or is it the fact that you kept getting killed? Oh, it was just the, the difficulty level of it was berserk. I, and there I really no... isn't even much of a plot, in my opinion. It's just like they made this game to just frustrate the hell out of you, and, and it worked. I've never played it, and based on that, I never will, because if it's tougher than Elden Ring, I cannot even imagine. Ugh, yeah, it was... I, I slogged my way through, and I was watching like YouTube videos, watching other people that are like experts at it play it, and they're like... It's like surgeon like precision these people play. I'm like, I don't have the time. I can't even play newer sports games. And learn how to play those. Too many buttons. Yeah, exactly.